The college football coaching carousel is winding down. The Bears have almost clinched the top pick of the draft. We've got more senior bowl acceptances and underclassmen declarations to talk about. And Travis May is going to join us to talk about all things offense in the 2022 NFL draft class. All that and more coming up next on the Draft Countdown Podcast. Everyone and welcome to tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host Brian Bosarge. Joined as always is my co-host Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 133 days, 22 hours, 58 minutes, 17 seconds away from the 2024 NFL Draft. Uh, we get bowl games kicking off this weekend. The NFL regular season's winding down. You know, fantasy playoffs for me. So it's uh, it's it's an exciting time. I feel like that was a dig. Little jab at me. I'm in one fantasy well, league. Like, I didn't make the playoffs. Look, well, if you if you if you're in fifty like me, then you definitely make the playoffs in some. No, I'm sure. I, I'm sure I would. Uh, yep, we're definitely in draft season now. Uh, myself and our uh, partner Pigskin Paul Gilmet both got our Senior Bowl credential uh, acceptances in today. Uh, I'll be covering two bowl games for Draft Countdown starting this weekend at the Arnell Carriers New Orleans Bowl. I'll be there as well as the uh, following Saturday at the uh, 68 Ventures Bowl here in Mobile. So looking forward to both of those bowl games. Yeah, yeah, look, that's exciting. I'm excited for you to experience the Superdome there and have have fun. It'll, it'll, it'll probably be a good game too. Man in the chat, Sonny Money uh, says it's December. He's ashamed at how many mock drafts he's read so far. That's nothing, nothing to be ashamed of. You can't, you can't read enough. Let's be honest. Yeah. Want to remind everybody if you're watching live in the chat and you have a question for myself or Shane, we will answer it at the end of the show. If you have a question for Travis, pop it. Uh, Travis May is going to join us a little bit later. If you have a question for him, uh, pop it in there, and we'll ask him while he's joins us a little bit later. Uh, if you're following along on Twitter, ask a question there at Draft Countdown. Or if you're a member of our Discord, you can ask a question there. If you're not a member of our Discord, we ask that you go ahead and go to DraftCountdown.com, top right corner of the search bar, click the link there to join the Discord. We've been talking about college football transfers and stuff for basically the last two weeks straight in there. It's been good stuff, uh, as always. Awesome. Yeah. It's it's been fun, so I hope people hop in hop in the Discord a bit and uh, get in there. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, so I mentioned the the college ball coaching carousel, which is something we've led the show with the last what seems seemingly three or four weeks now. 
Uh, it's winding down a little bit. We filled three, the final three um, head coaching spots over the last week, but that meant one opened up uh, as a result. But we'll start at Duke, and they've uh, replaced Mike Elko with another defensive-minded coach. Uh, they've hired Manny Diaz, who was Penn State's defense coordinator, former head coach as well. Yeah, I like the hire. I mean, Manny Diaz deserves another chance. Has really killed it uh, for Penn State. So I I like that for Duke. I think it's a pretty solid hire. I feel like James Madison replaced their head coach with a pretty solid hire. They go to the FCS ranks and bring in uh, Holy Cross head coach Bob Chesney to be their uh, new head man. I'm, I'm, I'm always for going down to the FCS, getting a great FCS coach. I think it usually works out more than it doesn't. So I, I do like that hire as well. Seems that way. And speaking of, in my opinion, home run hires here, Tulane replaced Willie Fritz with Troy head coach John Summerall, who has just done a hell of a job uh, with the Trojans the last two seasons. I was a little surprised he didn't get a call higher. Uh, you know, I'm telling it's not a bad job, but I thought maybe a bigger school would go after John Summerall. Maybe we're talking about that in a couple of years. There were rumors that Mississippi State was in on him. So, you know, it's didn't work out, I guess. But that leaves now the only FC, FBS head coaching job uh, that is open is uh, Troy's now because they have to replace Summerall. But uh, not at this level, but uh, North Dakota State uh, head coach left to be uh, with the linebackers coach at Southern Cal. So that's a huge job opening up now at the FCS level. Yeah, I'm interested to see how they fill that one and see if they can keep kind of that that dynasty going a little bit there at the NDSU. Yep. So uh, moving on now, we'll look at our weekly look at the uh, top 10 picks currently as they uh, – sit here in the NFL draft. The last thing on the coaching, uh, Sonny uh, brings up Lance Leipold coming up to Kansas uh, from Wisconsin Whitewater to Buffalo to, to Kansas. So not exactly straight FCS jump up, but uh, in the ballpark there. But yes, uh, the draft top 10 and the Bears have almost locked it up now, right? Uh, we got there. They've basically got a two game lead here. Uh, with four games to go by way of the Panthers losing their sixth in a row. They're now 1-12. Bears have their pick. Um, so, yeah, it, that's pretty much – it feels like it's 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 all but wrapped, right? I think it's going to be tough for Carolina to win two more games, let alone three more games, and definitively get above uh, – get above. Even right now, a strength of schedule. They'd still be first if they tied. So they need basically need to win right. three of the last four. Uh, it seems like the Bears will have the first overall pick. Yeah. Uh, New England – Currently three and ten has a point oh three strength of schedule advantage over Arizona, who sits at three and ten. Um, New England playing out the string here with Belichick. Yeah, I mean, it seems the rumors now that Belichick will be gone, and and that likely means a whole new direction, and you know, a whole new quarterback like you and I did on in the mock draft last week. Anxious to see uh, Washington picking fourth. Uh, they're the lone four and nine team. We have six teams currently sitting at five and eight, led by the Chicago Bears, who have the lowest strength of schedule. Then the Las Vegas Raiders, who managed to score zero points against Minnesota last week, losing three to nothing. Heaven, God forbid, anybody actually watched that debacle. 
the Jets currently at five and eight. Uh, the Giants at five and eight. Tennessee at five and eight. And the Chargers at five and eight. But I anticipate they're going to lose a lot more now without Justin Herbert. Look, Easton Stick. Uh, well, I mean, that, that's a name from the past, from the NFL draft past. Coming and North Dakota State. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's exciting. I mean, the Giants, Tommy DeVito's won three in a row. Three out of four, Tommy DeVito's won as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Maybe we uh, we joked him off a little too soon there, Shane. I, 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 I guess so. I mean, I don't think so. But uh, I think there's other things that are winning the Giants these games. But he is fun to watch. So I think we'll still have a little more shake up there in the bottom end of the top ten before all said and done. Yeah, uh, Zach Wilson got a double. So did Will Levis. Got got the, got the win this past week as well. Still not a Will Levis guy, but we'll see. Uh, the NFC South teams are at eleven and twelve. The Bengals currently hold the last non-playoff spot until Pittsburgh just continues to that fall uh, down. P- Pittsburgh is winning out, and you, you know they'll get in over the Bengals. It's okay. Pittsburgh. You don't they even got, believe they got Shane. the bad losses out of the way. Now it's just just uh, Mitch Trubisky leading wins. There, here. there, there there's no way you can say that with a straight face. Like, like Tomlin's got to get to the nine wins, so we're winning two of the last four. Don't worry. We'll see. Not Keep, not. Keeping the streak going. Not at all. <laughs> So let's uh, let's bring in our guest tonight. He's the returning champion to the program. He's a, a data guy through and through. Uh, he hosts the College of Canton podcast and Rotoviz Radio, formerly of Mojo. We had him on last year. We're going to bring him back now. Let's talk to our good buddy, Travis May. Travis, man, how the hell are you? Doing all right. Glad to be on the show and just talk some 2024 NFL draft and prospects. And, uh, yeah, I guess I, I used to deny that I was a, a data guy uh, for a little while. You know, because like, when I first jumped into this space, I, I definitely wasn't really that first and foremost. I was more of like a film kind of approach to things. But as I kind of gained some experience and uh, and really gained an interest in, in pursuing data analytics as, like, part of my career, uh, I, I, I don't think I can lie and just say I'm not a data guy at this point. So, yeah. <laughs> You gotta own it. You gotta own it at this point. Got, gotta lean into it. It's fine. I, I'm team both, by the way, in the films versus uh, analytics debate. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm a data nerd. That's fine. About halfway through the season, I I messaged Shane. I said, as soon as we've got time after we get through this, I said we're getting Travis on. But I just be, one of the things I look forward to the most as we were going through the season was your QBR model, and I was just fascinated by the movement of it week in week out. And, you know, it started with guys like Shadur Sanders and everything up near the top, and they kind of piddled out. But it got to the end where Jaden Daniels, the quarterback at LSU, just won the Heisman Trophy, deservedly so, this past week. Just yeah. just a massive, like, just well, just head and shoulders above everybody else in your model. Talk First, talk to us about how your QBR model works and what we can kind of get from it. Sure. I mean, uh, where this came from is uh, I, for like the past year and a half or so, I've been building out this sports stock market idea for, for Mojo. And so I had been, uh, you know, tracking player prices and career long projections for all these players. And, uh, you know, week to week, you know, we'd see some different action with people coming in and buying and selling stuff. And uh, I wanted to create like a, a quick and easy calculatable model, a model that I could essentially use as like 
you know, guardrails for myself to make sure that my own process uh, in terms of like what goes into the pricing was matching up as well as to, you know, Hey, is, is the action makes sense uh, with where they're probably projected to go with draft capital wise um, a few other things, but I wanted to just build like something quick, 15, 16 different variables into one model. They could help kind of project, you know, expected draft capital. Um, and uh, it's, so I created a, a simpler proxy version of what I'll do in the postseason anyway, that I could just update weekly <laughs> and get a better idea of like, okay, where are these, uh, profiles really trending every single week and not just quarterbacks but running backs wide receivers tight ends and uh not for work but just for my own kicks and giggles uh, other defensive player models too but the the passing side uh takes some volume metrics but a lot of efficiency metrics and piles them all into one score uh and the average for fbs uh, quarterbacks is uh, anchored around 50 so like an average quarterback score will be 50 and like almost like perfect elite type level score will be around a hundred. Um, and if you're, you know, Iowa's quarterback, you'll figure out a way to have a negative score. But uh, uh, Jaden Daniels essentially just broke it. Like I've never, like I've done this for a few years now and uh, he just broke it. Like he's at 135 to end the season. Like, <laughs> it's because um, it's, it's comparing all these variables to every other quarterback in the sport. And so it kind of scales to this particular season's level of play. Um, you know, if, in, if like, the, for example, the COVID season efficiency was crazy off the charts. And so, like, if we compared that to this year, the scores would look better. But this compares it to just this season to help, you know, get rid of some of the, the noisy mess that happens when you try to compare uh, players from different eras to one another and things like that. So, um, you know, kind of gives us a good idea of where these players rank analytically speaking. Simple enough. So, yeah, no, no. I, I think it was, I think it's a good explanation. I, I, I want to. I want you to break down further a couple of the the potential first round picks. I guess um, in this draft, from a quarterback perspective, how they did in your model, what kind mm -hmm. of trepidation you have, right? I mean, we've seen Caleb Williams have a couple of those games that didn't go so well. People are starting to, you know, get worried. Drake May just declared for the draft. Um, people are still high on guys like J.J. McCarthy and Bo Nix, um, you know, where, where do they kind of fit in and, and, you know, what's, what's your opinion kind of quick and dirty? Sure. I mean, like with Drake May, uh, this year actually was not great. I think a lot of people didn't watch a lot of UNC football this year. And so you might not have kind of realized that Drake May struggled for a good portion of the year, especially early on. And um, so he actually, among the potential first round draft picks in this class had the worst kind of uh, analytical profile, of like the top six or so that kind of are in the mix, uh, which is surprising to some, I think. But uh, in all reality, like comparing his profile this year to last year, he was like number one or two or three at worst, basically all last season by the same measure. So when, when a quarterback has a season like that already on the resume in like year two, I'm much less concerned about a slight deviance from, from that result. Um, you've already proven to me that you can be an elite, elite prospect and so if it's less than perfect because two or three bad games are dragging a season down, I'm not as concerned. He finished like fringe, like top 12 in the country, which is still not bad. Right. And so especially in, in a season where we saw uh, quite a few quarterbacks just get off to ridiculous starts that kind of amped up their profiles, even down the stretch. So Drake May uh, had really the only concerning marks because uh, he wouldn't if, if this was his peak, um, analytically speaking, it wouldn't really project. He wouldn't really project to be. Uh, first round quarterback uh, but guys like jj mccarthy 
Uh, he kind of dropped off a tad down the stretch. Michael Penix had a few rough games, but even those guys were still top six or seven in the country by this particular quarterback model. Uh, Caleb Williams had a couple of downs, down games, still fifth overall in this model. And then Bo Nix, number two, Jaden Daniels, number one. And I think those six are the ones that we're really looking at to get early round capital, at least seem to be the locks to get that, that kind of range of capital. So I'm not really concerned, analytically speaking, with any of these guys. I know a couple of them are older. A couple of them have health issues. But I think there's a really good shot we see uh, six guys come off the board in the top, you know, 64 picks. Uh, and I'm not necessarily sold on the fact that we'll have more than even three first-round picks. Uh, but I, I like the profiles of, of the top six and a few others that that are intriguing. Last thing on the quarterbacks I want to talk about. We we we've, we talk about the Senior Bowl pretty much every week here. There's three quarterbacks that have accepted invites so far. Mm-hmm. And I know Spencer Rattler has not been kind on the model as I've been kind of tracking that this season. Uh, I have I have reasons as to why I think that is, but uh, talk about the uh, him as well as Joe Milton, who uh, just accepted an invite to, uh, this week, as well as uh, Michael Pratt from Tulane, who uh, accepted earlier. Absolutely. So Joe Milton actually kind of started slow and um, was less than perfect, uh, had some really poor decisions in early uh, weeks throughout the year. And so he was in like the 20s, 30s in terms of where he ranked among Power 5 quarterbacks most of the season. Uh, and, c- and a couple late uh, season games kind of helped his profile overall. So he finished actually 20th um, in this particular um, QBR model. Uh, so that sounds like it's like, okay, 20th, that's not bad, but it's it's actually behind guys uh, like Grant Mertz. So it's still like, you know, it's not like he was uh, killing it by the numbers that that seem to matter when projecting quarterbacks. But what he has him going for him is he, he has that rocket can – they can uh, he, he can chuck the ball over them there mountains, which is nice. Uh, but uh, can he do so accurately? After like six years, I still don't think I have the answer to that. And so um, I'm not really confident he gets decent capital whatsoever. There's going to be uh, his fanboy section that just sees the arm strength and really pumps him up and says he's he's day two worthy or first round worthy. I even saw like a former scout pumping him up just like last week. I'm like guys, guys, no, sorry. I don't, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you, you know. <laughs> so, um, and then yeah, Spencer Rattler, uh, he actually did not finish strong. He was 30th among Power Five quarterbacks, which is a far cry from what he was. I don't know, two, three years ago, analytically speaking, it looked like, hey, if he follows this trajectory, he's on first round pace. Like <laughs> he and Sam Howell were supposed to be like the 2022 first round picks. <laughs> We are so far removed from that, aren't we? So uh, he has questions when it comes to pressure. He has questions when it comes to a lack of uh, upside in any regard other than the way that he kind of spins it. You know, looks pretty when it comes out of his hand. But but by the numbers, um, it's kind of gross. Like he's had a couple of decent halves against good teams. Like he had a couple, like a, a good half against Georgia, um, a good half here and there. But he just can't seem to put it all together. So I'm not sure he's going to go very early. Michael Pratt though, is is fun. I was uh, kind of doubting uh, him for quite some time, just honestly. Uh, but uh, among G5 quarterbacks, he was top five by most meaningful measures uh, that you want to throw out there. So really impressed uh, by him down the stretch, even if it wasn't with a bunch of volume. Like he's not going to, you know, he was never going to be in the Heisman mix because he was never, well, he played for Tulane. But also he just, uh, 
was never going to have the volume because they didn't they don't play that way. He doesn't chuck the ball 40-plus times a game. He doesn't run the ball 20 times a game either. Uh, but he's a good game manager that should be on an NFL roster. But, um, you know, this is as strong as the senior ball crop at quarterback gets. That's a little concerning uh, considering what we've seen in the past. I'm not unconvinced that if Rattler had average offensive line play, he would have been a lot more efficient this year. Yeah. Yeah. But we can't, we can't, we can't go back and fix that now, can we? No, definitely not. Um, It seems seems like he's come a long way in terms of like this growing up. And if you listen to him in in interviews, he seems like he's uh, a better teammate than he might have once been. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I agree that, you know, there were offensive line issues, but, he just never put it all together, and so that's that's a problem. Like speaking of offensive line issues, so uh, Travis, I'm, I'm bringing this up now. You mostly shared this more in, in a league chat that we're in together for our, our pinnacle of uh, Devi Fantasy League, but I know yeah. you have taken a look at um, QB sack rates and mm-hmm. versus like pressure rates, and and you've talked a little bit in there about you. Know, how how sacks can be turned into a quarterback stat. Uh, I want you to talk about that a little bit, and if anyone's jumped out um, to you, and then I, I got to give you a little platform to talk Shadur Sanders and the, you know, the, the uh, I don't know, pop culture uh, tool that, that Dion and Shadur have been this year. Sure. I mean, just up front, like with, with sacks, um, I think it, people are coming around to the fact that you know, quarterbacks can kind of own responsibility with sacks. I think that's just kind of a given. Like when you watch football, you know, like, man, you probably shouldn't have taken that sack. You didn't need to take that sack there. But how do you quantify that? Like, how do you measure that? And so when you really rip through the data and look at offensive line quality play from a player to player basis and where sack ownership really uh, comes from um, in terms of like a allowed pressure rate of a collective offensive line unit or a certain side of the offensive line, um, like I don't have access to a bunch of data that can make it really fun. Um, but NFL teams actually have the, you know, the spatial tracking data where they can really kind of dig into where sack uh, ownership comes from and where it lives and how to assess quarterback play uh, kind of looking at like a four, uh, four or five piece matrix of like where it happens in the backfield, where the blown pressure was from and things like that. We, I just don't have all the data to do that, but, tried to create some kind of proxy where I created a, a model that uh, tried to account for the percent of a, uh, you know, a sack that uh, can be attributed to a quarterback or the probability of a sack happening on any, any given play anyway, that could be attributed to a quarterback. And so I built out a model that uh, kind of adjusted for a few variables, like the overall total dropbacks, you know, allowed pressure rate of the offensive lineman in front of him, uh, you know, built in variables like time to throw, um, you know, the actual pressure percentage, uh, some other things to kind of build out a sack over expected probability model and learn a whole lot about like where uh, both college and NFL passers might be a liability uh, in terms of the sack uh, and sack avoidance game. Um, but just to kind of put some names to, uh, to the numbers, and I, I won't get into a bunch of the rates here, but like the, why I think, I'm not super high on Riley Leonard as a passer, but why I think a lot of people are really into Riley Leonard is that he's an elite sack avoider. Uh, so like, for, for instance, like his pressure rate at Duke this past season, I know it's a smaller sample than normal, but his pressure rate was over 40%. So over 40% of his snaps, 
uh, he was he was getting pressured, which is actually top 20 in the wrong way in the country. <laughs> right. You don't want to be facing uh, pressure over 40 percent of the time. But even so, he only took nine sacks at all. And his pressure to sack rate was under 11 percent, which is ridiculous. Like to put it in perspective with like somebody who still has sack issues today in the NFL, Sam Howell's pressure to sack rate is consistently above 25 percent. And Riley Leonard's was around 10 or 11. And that's pretty consistent throughout his career as well. So, like, if you can avoid sacks despite the pressure and adjusting for offensive quality in front of you, like the offensive line issues that can be had at a place like Duke, if you can show that you can be um, the opposite of a liability, perhaps a plus side, because you add value with your legs and avoid sacks, you avoid negative plays. One, your your expected points added profile is going to be amazing, um, like on a per-play basis. And uh, you're not going to be an issue. You're not going to bring the offense down. You're not going to be the, the reason why drives end. Like why, That's why he was really good. That's why uh, prior to this season, like uh, Bo Nix was actually really underrated. He was really good at that, even though he didn't have to really face pressure this year. <laughs> uh, but uh, like, there are just certain players who, when you adjust for key variables, um, you can see that they avoid sacks at an, at an elite rate. And there are some players that bring it upon themselves. Yeah, and so <laughs> by extension, I think that, that we could get into the Shador thing, but <laughs> well, I, I just want to open it up in case you you wanted to go on your soapbox against the Shador Sanders. Sure, and before. it's not really against Shador. I just it just he was so funny. Um, the whole situation was hilarious just to kind of follow this year because like this hype, the three and thing, and everyone's like, you know, they're, they're the next best thing, and that you know, people legitimately betting stupid amounts on long odds for them to like win the actual national championship. <laughs> and, and it's just like, guys, oh man, this is so sad. I, I hate to break it to you, but this is like smoke and mirrors. And, uh, and it was, and they, they fell apart and went one, one and eight down the stretch. Uh, and that was largely due, not just to the offensive lines fault, but it was actually in many cases, uh, Shador's issue. Um, whether you want to point to his time to throw, which actually did improve in the past last few weeks because he was chucking to get rid of it. Um, but uh, or you want to talk about the fact that he just is horrible at avoiding the pressure where he just kind of like is not great at pocket pocket manipulation that shows up consistently. Um, or if you just want to dig into, into the numbers when we talk about the offensive line play in front of him, people wanted to hate on the offensive line like it was the worst one in the country. There were at least 25 to 30 offensive lines that were objectively better at both running or like rushing and offensive, uh, uh, like pass blocking, um, uh, than Colorado, like 25 or 30 among FBS teams and several, um, P5 teams that uh, should have been better. But uh, people wanted to heap on this blame and just never address the fact that Shador had a ridiculous pressure to sack rate. He took way too many sacks. I mean, like I know that the sack volume was amped up because they ran a crap ton of plays too, but um, like 50 sacks on the year is, is pretty horrific. And when, you know, his pressure percentage wasn't great. It was like 36% average for FPS teams is like around 30, 31%. So he actually wasn't like crazy, crazy far off. Like, like outside the, like a normal distribution of like expectations for, you know, his pressure rate. But even when he faced pressure, he he still took sacks at an alarming rate, well over 25%, like up, upwards, like close to 30% for the majority of the season. Um, like, and it's it just like one play in particular. I can't remember which game it was, but he took a sack for negative 21 yards on fourth down. 
and tried to chuck it uh, and did not get the ball back to the line of scrimmage. So it was like a grounding penalty. Like it was like this this ridiculous like reverse punt type play where it basically went backwards like thirty yards because of him just refusing to get rid of the ball. Um, and that just was like, man, that summed up his entire season right there. Um, and so I, I just there's so many excuses um, that people want to throw around for how Shador's season went, how Colorado season went. Um, but man, uh, he he didn't get like any of the blame uh, for like most of college, like in, in most of all of college media. It was like, oh, Shador's still amazing. He's perfect. He's Deion's son. He's going to be a first round pick. Like you guys are drunk. Like that is not what's happening. So uh, like by any measure, I don't know what I don't know what I'm looking at. But uh, yeah, so there, there's and, and in summation, there are players who are a problem when it comes to the sack game. And unless something changes drastically, he's not even going to be a day two pick because of that issue. There's a take right there. I love it. I love it. It still amazes me that like the fifth highest watched game this year was a Friday night game between Colorado and Colorado State. It just uh, blows my mind. Yeah, I think it was like the Saturday late game, wasn't it? it was like no, it was a Friday night. It was like a nine. It was a nine o'clock kickoff on a Friday night. It was Friday. I see, I, it all blends together because I was I when I when or was, I was it Saturday night? I don't even know. <clears throat> it doesn't matter. All I know is I, I never <laughs> went to sleep before like like two, just because because of my uh, the job this year. You know, tracking all these games and all the players and all the stocks and everything, and I having to track literally everything. And I'm, I'm like. Guys, please. This is really going to overtime. What am I doing? <laughs> like, please, no. I mean, I yeah, please. I'm so tired. <laughs> right. well, so let's move on from quarterbacks because we've 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 spent enough breath on those guys, right? Not like even they're that important. No, but uh, which which position group is worse at, as we know it right now for the 2024 class? Running backs or tight ends? Oh, uh, hmm. depth. Tight ends probably. Like it's Brock Bowers and JD Sanders. And then and then <laughs> and then like a fullback tight end hybrid. Cage Stover um, is yeah, probably yeah. number three yeah, at this like point. A converted linebacker who's who could be fun. Like Ben Ben Sinat from uh uh Kansas State. Kansas. Like could be fun. He's a senior bowler. Um like I, I like him. Uh but like Ben Urosic, I actually was really high on him and he just announced he's transferring. So I don't know, man. It's just, it's a bunch of like, it may, you know, so if Luke Lachey somehow decides to, to go, like he could be that guy that rises up in round two, like, uh, like Musgrave did this past year, you know, like Musgrave didn't even hardly play, but he was just an athlete. And then he got the capital. That's like that, you know, that would happen because Lachey is an Iowa tight end and he's a monster athlete. Um, but man, yes, the depth, they are. <laughs> yeah, the, the depth is a problem, but the elite, elite options at running back, we don't have one. Like I, I, like I really, really like Trey Benson. I really, really like that Braylon Allen is a massive person and you know could throw around small vehicles when he was seventeen. But uh, you know, I, and there's there's several others that I, you know Bucky Irving is like hyper efficient. That's that's in, that's intriguing. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, all the excitement is that quarterback and wide receiver in this class. So I think that's where we are. We're not in 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 like. Where I where I live and where Shane lives with dynasty drafts and things like that, like we're not even going to see a first round rookie draft pick for it for like at all for running backs. Uh, and the only one that's going to be remotely interesting, really, is Brock Bowers at tight end. So it's not the normal class in that regard. We could see like this could be as bad as the 2014 group 
like with Sankey and Hyde and and Hill. That's, and that's, now we're we're assuming Henderson's going back to Iowa State. That's uh, that's the rumor, right? Well, look, look, he announced today he has not made a decision, so yeah. we'll, we'll see. But we'll see. We need him to. to we do. <laughs> He's got this year, man. Uh, I am not unconvinced that Marshawn Lloyd doesn't end up being this first running back taken. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty hot take right there, man. Yeah, I, that's, I, that's I don't pretty, think I don't think he's that's pretty smoky. That's a yeah. I mean, and, and seriously, Trey Benson's really in the mix, like right now. I, I, I Benson, if Henderson goes back, will be my RB one. Yeah, Benson's like he right now by the the mock data, he would be running back one without Henderson there. So I yeah, like you said, the listeners were ashamed of how many mock drafts they've read. Guys, I've got a da- database that I just live in. Uh, and I, I, that has over 200 mocks in it that I sift through like every day. <laughs> so that makes you feel better. There you go. Uh, and Trey, Trey Benson is seriously like, a, you know, he's he's going to rise in, into fringe round two status um, because of even the noise that Henderson might be returning. Uh, but yeah, I like him, Allen. But after that, man, it's anybody's game to be that running back three. Has there been any trends in that mock draft data that's surprised you or been interesting uh, peers of late or even through the season, through the process? It's been hilarious because nobody, like people that really follow the sport closely, nobody has any idea what to do with these tight ends. Like the, 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 total, the total number of tight ends that ends up in some of these mocks that are like, even like seven rounds um, is like, hey, wait, that's not like a normal, we're not going to have seven tight ends go get drafted like in total right like that's impossible right really like, and i'm like man no it, and I, it, that's not going to happen like we, we see more than that like 12 13 14 you know something like that uh, but people don't even know whose name to put in the hat there's like i don't know eric all uh, you know i don't know like uh, it's uh you know tyler warren let's get real you know, hype on him like i don't know and it's not like he's a bad player it's just like this is a weird class for tight end so that following that trend has been funny because Basically, like Brock Powers, JT Sanders, and then people like just shuffle a couple of names around. They don't know what to do with late rounds. They just would much rather throw in other positions than that. So, the lo- longer scale, like a, a deeper drafts, um, people just kind of forget the position exists. Uh, same with running back. They just like throw names around in a the hat. They're like, uh, uh, this week I'm going to go with Devin Neal, or this week, you know, I, I like Devin Neal, but like, I don't know, Blake Watson, why not? And I'm like, it's just it's just weird following the trend because people clearly don't know what to do uh, with the depth of certain positions, uh, and conversely, like at defense, like people seem super super confident on uh, and have been kind of take locky on on certain defensive players this year. So really fun just to kind of track some trends this year a lot closer than I typically do, uh, just to realize man, there's there's a lot of take lock that that really takes like six seven weeks or more to come off uh, in certain mock drafts and uh throughout the year uh and then when when this, there's the depth issue mock drafters like i don't know just they throw a dart and hit a name i guess fair look and my seven rounders i've done that from time to time you, you've seen it travis so you know throw the dart <laughs> yeah uh, you're just, you're just, i mean 256 picks you're just throwing darts right that's that's, that's right i mean it seems like that's what happens when you're watching the actual draft <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah. Once you get that's like the top eighty picks. I'm like, wait, you wide receiver from UT Martin? I didn't know that person existed. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You start in sixth, seventh round. You start seeing guys get, you know, corners get drafted from D two schools, and you're like, what is life? Who? Yeah, 
And it, it's, it, it, you feel like it's dark throws, but most of the time what it ends up being, and it's what we will end up, to, we'll say the word special teams at least. Like that'll be one of the biggest words in our word bubble over the next four months is special teams. Because those guys on day three that when they the team drafts them and you've never heard of them, that's why they're getting drafted. I will say the sexiest thing that people are more just to be like not a negative Nancy uh, that's happening in the mock draft data is in the last like 60 or so mocks that I have in my data, we have 10 wide receivers going in the top 46 picks. That's probably not going to happen, but uh, that just kind of goes to show like this class at the wide receiver position is really, really good. Like <laughs> So it, it feels like we're saying that every year, and I'm just going to ask next about the wide receivers. I feel pretty good, right, about who wide receivers one, two, and three are. I mean, I I, I feel like it's Harrison Jr., Neighbors, and Adunze. If that's not the top three, then who is above Adunze at least? But who's the next next guys after that? The consensus right now uh, after those three, and that's that's pretty much become the ironclad consensus top three is marvin harrison like slated to be like the second overall pick in the draft malik neighbors appears to be a pretty solid uh top 10 pick projection roma dunze is slipping inside the top 15 uh with consistency actually recently and then uh keon coleman has, uh, has actually been the wide receiver four by consensus since really like week one like people just saw the uh what he did to lsu's secondary and they're like oh this is lsu we should think that this is awesome that he's doing this against this amazing defense no um lsu turned out to be one of the worst defenses in the country uh and he is basically the equivalent of dunking on middle schoolers uh at recess so um i am not on on team keon coleman being wide receiver four like his consistent like consensus rank right now in the mock data that i have is like 16th but like 15th or 16th overall uh, which is a little bit uh, pricey when uh, Emeka Buka is uh, going five, six picks later by consensus, which just seems absolutely wrong. Like if they just, <laughs> if Ibuka was just healthy this year, it wouldn't even be a conversation because going into the year, and I think where we're probably going to land inevitably is that Ibuka is actually a top three wide receiver in this class. If he's in this class. <laughs> yeah, but I think he's going to be because I think he's going to realize Oh, there's like, you know, wait, I've been mock drafted in like 99% of Vox and uh, all my, my actual grade is first round from the people that matter. I think that, you know, a lot of, I'm not sure. I know some people even just last week were waiting on their, uh, their committee or board grades to get back to them to see what like the league says they should be. So maybe Ibuka says he's a second rounder and he's like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm going to come back and be Chris Olave and be a top 12 pick next year. Uh, maybe that happens, but I think He's he's still a top five uh, at worst, probably draft capital wise in the class. So I, I would come out, man, just get that guaranteed money. Like it, Smith and Jigman missed this whole year, and it was still like a what pick twenty one or whatever it was. So I, I think that's that's worst case for him. No, that's fair. I I you know the, the receiver class is interesting uh, for sure. Like you said, I mean I think that depth kind of comes out. Um, we kind of, we kind of wrap things up, Travis, but what's it, I don't know. Give me, give me a hot take or two. Like what's, what's something you think unexpected that's going to happen on draft day where months 
we got a couple months to go here that people aren't seeing now. Maybe, maybe something that you're seeing or just a guess that you have that you think can uh, play out here the next couple months. I'll give you a few then. How about that? I think yeah. we see seven wide receivers go in the first round. Um, yep. Uh, I know that's, that is like blasphemy. Like that shouldn't even be a conversation, right? I think it happens because okay. I think we have so, like... So I want to stop you there because I want to guess. Okay. <laughs> go for okay. it. Okay. So we got Harrison Jr., Neighbors of Dunze, Igbuka. I'm going to go Worthy, Franklin, yeah. Coleman. Yeah. That, that, those would be the ones. Yeah. Yeah. Because so I think I think you nailed it. And if it's not Franklin, it's Thomas. And if it's not Thomas, it's A.D. Mitchell. And if it's not A.D. Mitchell, it'll be some poor soul who just lost his job in the future by drafting Xavier Leggett. And so, like, there's just so many options, um, like, to pick in that range that somebody is going to, to to get that seventh wide receiver, you know, in that like pick 31, 32 range. And so there's, I mean, there's just so many good profiles and then Xavier will get in, in that top 10 wide receiver range <laughs> that, that there's, that it's going to happen. Like, it's just, it's an absurd class. Like the production profiles are crazy. The athleticism uh, is going to be awesome. It's going to be really fun to see. And, and I know a lot of the guys who have access to like the, the verified like on-field tracking data, like Xavier Worthy is a first round pick and if 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 he is then like our floor is like six and if anybody else goes then it's seven the 2004 wow. last time that that happened yeah so, and so let, let's get ready because we need we need more and more wide receivers for the uh you know the, the qb3 so we're going to be starting on nfl sundays uh as we've seen <laughs> this year um because when tommy devito and kenny pickett and zach wilson and 47 other backups are who is throwing the ball. You need guys that, to bail them out. Uh, and this class is just stacked with those guys. And and I didn't even mention like Devontae Walker. Like he's, you know, J Jalen McMillan. Like there's so many other guys that divert, like deserve early capital in this class that I I'm pretty, pretty pumped. Oh, and the other thing, uh, the other hot take, maybe Jaden Daniels is QB two in the class. Uh, and when it's all said and done, and I'm not sure, even sure that's really hot takey at this point. It's not. Uh, so, like, I, I think, think myself um, and Shane both have kind of like come on around to that. Yeah, I think just his mobility. Like, and it, you can thank Lamar Jackson for that, right? Because I mean, like, we needed to see that happen and him actually be like on an MVP level to believe that that could happen again. And uh, Jaden Daniels is going to benefit. He's probably going to be a top six, seven pick, if not, not earlier. So, and I'm pumped to see it because like I've, I was really high on him early on in his career. Looked like he was going to disappear, and now he's back and put up the best season like ever. So uh, I'm excited to see that um, for him and for just anybody who appreciates good mobile quarterback play because uh, it's it's a lot of fun. So, uh, but beyond that, hot take stuff. Oh man, hmm. trying to give you a good one. Um, mm, it, Latu, okay, let's go with Latu being a top five pick. I'm not sure if that's hot takey either, but no. <laughs> I think they're. they're I, I've been saying that since week four, man. I mean, yeah, it's... That's, that's fair. That's fair. The, the consensus for him is like fringe top ten, and some people think that you know the, the medicals are going to dock him, and that might happen. But all his rate stats are absurd, and I know that the whole UCLA front seven was kind of crazy this year. They had three top ten edge rushers for part of the year, uh, the Murphy twins, and of course Latu in terms of pressure rate and a bunch of other. 
key metrics that edge rushers it matters for edge rush projection but um he was just an unreal alien so deserves that kind of hype in fairness they all jacked that their rates up with the one colorado game right <laughs> it doesn't hurt when you play colorado uh but but i mean seriously it was just every yeah. single week man so pumped to see what he does at the next level yeah. all right travis man we appreciate you coming on tonight yeah. uh well, this was good stuff uh especially with all the sack rate stuff like that it's it's something that nobody talks about but they probably should but uh tell everybody where we can uh where we can find you and hear more about this stuff yeah, I, at uh, Twitter is where I'm, or X, actually. <laughs> X is where I uh, share most of my stuff now, at FF underscore Travis M. Uh, yeah, so that's where you can find a bunch of the stuff that I share, including the model and uh, a bunch of the the mock draft data updates. And uh, uh, coming up soon, some fun stuff with recruiting I'm just going to dive into because signing day is coming up. So, yeah. But uh, thanks again for having me, guys. It's always good joining the show. And, uh, yeah, I hope to talk to you guys here soon. Yeah, and we, look, we should say you're going to be uh, posting a mock draft up for us on Monday. So uh, I am forward to uh, that. Yeah, just throwing a bunch of darts, one from the best. <laughs> seven, seven rounds of dart throws. Uh, Love it. No, it's it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun putting that together, and it will be informed by a lot of the data I dig into, as well as my own thoughts and where I think uh, some trends might be headed with this capital uh, projection stuff. So hope uh, to you know all the readers can look forward to that on uh, draft countdown yep i will look forward to seeing where the Bengals are going when your mock draft coming up this week travis man again thanks for coming on tonight yeah thanks man yeah thanks for having me that was travis may who is no longer invited to the show <laughs> thanks to his trashing of what? south carolina's two top, top rated prospects in this draft i'm trying to tell you that xavier get is, is stinks but you you, you don't want to hear it brian so he does not i will not i will not hear it <laughs> will not hear it. Oh man, that's uh, gonna that'll be a fun. Oh, that's gonna be a debate between us for the, this whole. I, I, it appears. It appears that way for sure. Uh, that's got the Travis on my side. I'm. I'm gonna uh, count that. I'm that in. You got the data. I've got the heart and the eyes, baby. You, you, that's you what we'll the, go. The homerism. That's what you got. Whatever. All right. So again, man, Travis is a good dude, and. Uh, that, that data, all that data, man, that he puts out is awesome to read. I love the QBR stuff. Like he's uh, commenting in the chat there. The next great Velas Jones profile for Zebu again. So that. at least, man, give me Jonathan Mingo. At least, <laughs> at least some hope. All right, uh, all right, Shane. We're going to do something a little bit different. Normally, we we go to the uh, prospect primer and, and we we talk handily about every single game that we got as bowl game week one starts this week. Uh, there is seven, eight games, I believe, uh, this week during week one. So, what I'm going to since these games are not loaded with prospects, and the ones that do have teams in it that would have prospects in them, those guys ain't playing. So what I'm going to challenge you with, Shane, we're going to have fun here. I'm going to let you name one player that will play in each of these bowl games that you think has a shot to get drafted. Oh, okay. okay. One guy. Goodness gracious. All right. Yeah. So we start with uh, Saturday, the Myrtle Beach Bowl game. I'll be watching at 10 a.m. on ESPN. Georgia Southern and Ohio. Does it have to be this draft that I think they'll get drafted, uh, <laughs> or or did do I get a couple years? I guess. Um, 
it's 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 like a legit question. I'll 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 go with uh, uh, Sam Wiggles, the wide receiver for Ohio, is probably the one guy because he does play some special teams. He's productive small receiver. Um, probably still doesn't happen, but he's probably the most likely in this game. Okay, I'm going to change this now because I see where this is going. One player that makes an opening day NFL roster next year. All right, there you go. There you go. That better? Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll take that. Celebration Bowl, uh, 11 a.m. on ABC, Shane. Florida A&M against Howard. Ooh, yeah. I mean, Florida a and is probably where where these prospects uh, are best. Um, It's tough because I think they're all – Rated similarly, I think most of their prospects in this group probably make a camp. Um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll swing, I'll swing for the fences here and go with, um, I'll go with Cardell Thomas, their their guard, a big three fifty mover. Uh, big so, boy. so I think I think the the size and athleticism for Florida A and M. I go with that. I will note, as I did on the primary, if a player is accepted an all star invite, he's not going to be on this list the list that we have on the site. So, because I'm just assuming that if they've accepted an all-star invite, they're not playing in one of these games. Yeah, which which is a little crazy. You think if you're going to an all-star game, you'd maybe play in the bowl game. But, yeah, last year we didn't have – It didn't seem that way, did it? Right, no. Uh, game I'll be at on Saturday, the New Orleans Bowl, Jacksonville State and Louisiana, 115 on ESPN – um, I, I'm with you as if, if there's one player on this, I'll, I'll take this one. One player yeah. that I think that will have a chance to be in a camp is uh, Louisiana interior offensive lineman, AJ Gilly uh, Jr. I think is that one guy uh, I will say in there. And, you know, maybe also Clay Webb, the interior offensive lineman, Jacksonville state uh, as well. Those two guys, but the two edge rushers from Jacksonville state, I don't know if they're in this going to be in this class or not, but those guys are sack producers. Uh, for the Gamecocks, yeah, I, I'm excited to get your report on this game. Um, I think Gilly's probably probably the best player. I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah, uh, Cure Bowl, 2:30 p.m. on ABC. Shane, I'll also be watching this one: Appalachian State and Miami of Ohio. Whew. Uh tough call here. Let's go with uh, App State linebacker Brendan Harrington, probably. Yeah, once again. Maybe on special teams can can sneak on an opening day roster, but it's another it's another rough game. I don't see a player on here that I feel confident yeah. in. Yeah, I watched uh, John Young their interior offensive line at Miami. He's he's okay. Uh, New Mexico Bowl, Fresno State at New Mexico State, four forty five p.m. ESPN. Shane, your first game up this year. In yeah, the bowl season. yeah. Like I, I get to, uh, you know, I, I get to kind of swing a little bit and wait a little bit for these to come out. So um, there's actually a couple in this game that I think could have a shot um, to, to go. I I would probably, if I had to pick opening day roster, go with John Huggins, from New Mexico state, former big time recruit, Florida, Jackson state, uh, you know, height, weight, speed, safety, but like I, I like Jalen Gill, the receiver for Fresno. I think could sneak onto a roster. He's a little versatile, so uh, it's not a bad one. Yeah, Gill, I thought was the easy, easy choice there. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, there, there's definitely going to be guys in this game here. The L.A. Bowl, Boise State and UCLA, 6.30 p.m. on ABC. I'll be watching this one, Shane, uh, for sure. This is going to be one of the UCLA Murphys or uh, Darius Walsall, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think Gabe Murphy's a, a stud. Uh, for sure, I have both of them. Uh, Grace and Murphy too. I think they're both pretty good. It definitely got to get drafted. Yeah, there, there, there's multiple guys from UCLA that's going to get drafted in that one. Uh, Independence Bowl, Cal, Texas Tech, eight fifteen p.m. on ESPN. Uh, I'll be watching this one as well. The Shreveport. If this feels guy gets early for this game, I don't feel like they had it this early before. Yeah, I feel, I feel like it was a little bit later usually. Ultimate. Um, another game. I think with with multiple players that you could point to uh, for this one. I like a lot of the Cal players. I think if he declares, I think Jeremiah Hunter, their receiver, uh, is more talented and he gets credit for. So I like him. I've been a Patrick McMorris. Their safety is a guy that could get drafted late as well. Um, uh, the Cal the Cal team especially is pretty good. I feel like we've talked about uh, Texas Tech uh, tight end Baylor Cup for a while too, right? Like when he transferred from A&M, but he just never does anything. Yeah, he, he was the number one rated tight end of his class and just hurt, you know, injured, but has that size of the athleticism's come back. Intriguing. Yeah. And wrapping it up on Monday, the famous Toastery Bowl, uh, should be in the Bahamas, but instead being played in Charlotte. 1.30 p.m. Shane, you'll be watching this one on ESPN between Old Dominion and Western Kentucky and yuck. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't think we anticipate Jason Henderson, the linebacker from Old Dominion, coming out. So you're kind of I, – I don't, I don't even think there's a player here that – it's in a camp, then, if that's the case. No, uh, Austin Reed, the quarterback from Western Kentucky, may or may not play in this game. I don't right. know, if, but if he, he has accepted a Shrine Bowl invitation. He he would be that guy. Yeah, absolutely. I think Austin Reed should be a day three pick. As well as Malachi, Malachi Corey's definitely not playing in that game, right? I would be surprised because he is uh, Malachi Corey, the receiver, Western Kentucky. I mean, he's, he's got some Debo Samuel in his game, throwing back to your Gamecocks. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Speaking of the Senior Bowl and Malachi Corley, I've got a feeling I don't think we talked about him last week. We didn't, so we'll be talking about him in just a few minutes. Here <laughs> on the uh, Senior Bowl acceptances now, uh, several this week, and we start with the easiest one of all. We knew it was coming. You didn't want to predict it, Shane, but you had to. Yeah. Alabama kicker Will Reichert uh, coming to the Senior Bowl. Look, look, Will Reichert had a really good year this year. Like, he improved tremendously. Last year when he got the senior – he got the invite last year. I was like, wow, that is – you know, that's rough. Over Jake Moody, by the way, he went in the third round. Um, ended up not taking it, going back to school. But uh, he much better this year. I think he could be a draftable kicker this year. So, I, I'm kind of eating crow on my Will Reichert uh, hate. Rule of thumb is if it's a kicker, punter, or long snapper with any salt at all as a prospect and they're draft eligible, they will be at the Super Bowl. Yeah. Bama. Yeah. Um, a guy we both, I think, like is one of the better interior offensive line prospects in this class. Georgia Cedric Von Prahn, uh has accepted his invite. 
I, I'm, I'm excited for that. I, I thought he could have been maybe a, a high second round pick last year, came back rock solid, uh, really was the leader of that offensive line. So I, I think Cedric Von Prons is starting NFL center. Um, the interior defensive line prospect from Illinois we never talk about is Keith Randolph. He's accepted his invite. He, he's had a good year. You wonder sometimes, is it because you're next to – next to Jerzon. Yeah. You know, it kind of helps. But uh, definitely deserved with how good that Illinois front, you know, interior was on the defensive line. Probably a nickel, I think, at the next level. But Kentucky's Andrew Phillips at corner has accepted. Uh, he's a guy with some really good ball skills, which is always fun at the Senior Bowl. I think when you have corners that are willing to attack the ball, especially in the one-on-ones, I agree. I think he's more of a slot player, but uh, has that toughness to him. Uh, so, um, yeah, I didn't expect it, but int intrigued. Minnesota's massive tight end, 6'7", 270, Brevin Span Ford has accepted his invite. Did barely anything this season. I mean, Minnesota stopped passing the ball, and they realized they couldn't do it. But, I mean, Brevin Span Ford, huge, like you said, but athletic. So has never really put it all together. So interested to see if he turns some heads. That's another what we were just kind of talking about with Travis. This tight end class is just poo-poo. Yeah. Uh, a Mobile native, uh, Davidson High School here, Mobile. Cedric Johnson, uh, edge rusher from Ole Miss, is going to be at the Senior Bowl. I really like Cedric Johnson. I feel like I'm alone in my I like. I think he's uh, an athletic freak and has the pressure ability. So I'm excited. I think he's going to do really well. A wide receiver whose name could be up moving on up after the Senior Bowl is North Carolina's Tez Walker. He's been talked about a lot this year because of the stupid NCAA shenanigans. Uh, that, by the way, the NCAA now, as of today, will know because they lost in court, and that's the only reason that this is even a thing now. The state of Ohio basically blocked it, and now the NCAA is like, okay, we will now comply. Uh, they will no longer block multi-time transfers. No waivers required. Just wow. go all you want. That's what kept Tez Walker out of, what, the first three or four games this season? Uh, that will never happen again to another player. I, I think Tez Walker's going to have the – he's going to be the tank Dell this year. I, I think Tez Walker's going to be open every single rep, and everyone's going to come – wild because he's much bigger than tank Much Dell. bigger. He is, but he has, I think, similar athleticism. Uh, I, I think people are going to come away from the Senior Bowl saying, like, Tez Walker should be a first-round pick. Late this afternoon – a second Notre Dame linebacker got an invite. This one uh, was at the Shrine, is no longer. Uh, Notre Dame linebacker JT Bertrand becomes the third Irish player to accept an invite. You got to have the Irish represented. I Bertrand rated as the higher linebacker, so uh, makes me feel better, you know, in, in my watch that uh, they both got an invite. I think Bertrand's kind of that solid in the box tackle machine type of. Uh, Hard-nosed linebacker, old school. Um, I think we maybe were higher on him in the preseason than what we ended up. But Oklahoma interior offensive lineman Andrew Rame uh, accepted his invite today. Yeah, I, th I thought he had a rough year run blocking. Uh, but I think the pass blocking's there. So zone scheme, I think Rame could be really good. Uh, 
Senior Bowl's going to be a good chance for him to kind of rehab that stock and get back to the top 100 potentially. A player I know very little about in my – I had very little in my notes about him, but Oregon State safety Keaton Oladapo uh, to the Senior Bowl. Yeah, he's, he's had a heck of a year. He's been a guy that's moved up my list a couple of times. Um, you know, big, kind of rangy, uh, and, man, I mean, a tackle machine. He, he They blitzed him, safety blitzes. So uh, just very versatile. Uh, it's going to be intriguing. I'm, I'm interested to see how they use him at the Senior Bowl. A pair of Nittany Lions accepted in the last week on the defensive side. Uh, one is their edge rusher, Adiza Isaac, big production this year. Uh, opposite of Chop Robinson. Yeah, and he, uh, I've liked him for a while, really broke out this season. And the other was corner Johnny Dixon. Rock solid. I think, I think Johnny Dixon, um, you know, teams started going after him, and he made them pay, and they went back to Caleb King. It was easier sometimes going going back after the high, more highly touted corners. So Johnny Dixon earned it this year. Uh, I mentioned him earlier as I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up at running back one at some point, and that's Southern Cal running back Marshawn Lloyd will be at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, well-deserved, has had a pretty good career, former top recruit. It's a good opportunity for him. And your number one kicker, Shane, Joshua Cardi, Stanford, going to be here. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan. I you know, he's definitely not a, a Jake Moody or anything like that, but had some clutch kicks this season, can go big distance kicks. Uh, I, I, I'm a Joshua Cardi fan. Three quarterbacks have been invited to the Senior Bowl. Joe Milton is QB three of those three, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to be fun. Like, I'm excited for you and Paul to, to see it. Like, I think it'll be fun to watch Joe Milton, the quarterback of Tennessee, close up. He's huge and has a huge arm. But yeah, I don't know what he can hit consistently. Maybe maybe the offseason is going to be just really good for him, and uh, he gets some hype. We'll see. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I think people want him to be Anthony Richardson at this point, and I, I don't know that that's going to be it. No, it, it's clearly not. Like he's kind of flamed out everywhere he's gone. You mentioned that Tez Walker could be this year's Tank Dale. I think this year's Tank Dale is Texas A&M's Anaya Smith. Yeah, man. I, I, he he just, like, I really liked Anaya Smith, you know, three years ago. <laughs> you know, that, that's my problem with Anaya Smith. But he, he definitely could be. He has versatility. They used him a lot this season. Um, but has uh, had some injuries, too, in the past. So I'm interested to see because um, his hype kind of has died for a guy that was a receiver running back hybrid. He's, he's so, man, he's just built rock solid, though. As a yeah. He's built like a just going to be a great slot receiver, I think. Uh, the other Aggie that uh, accepted this week was defensive lineman McKinley Jackson. A huge upside. He just has never put it all together, but in terms of like first step, athleticism, burst, McKinley Jackson is super impressive. Uh, I could see it going. I could see McKinley Jackson being the talk of the Senior Bowl or just disappearing for a week. It wouldn't surprise me either way. Um, we mentioned a, a little bit briefly uh, Debo Samuel esque Malachi Corley, Western Kentucky, uh, except it's his invite. Uh, another interior offensive lineman from Wisconsin, Tanner Bordellini. 
There you go. T Tanner, Tanner Bordellini. It was, uh, I, I was, I was a little bit surprised to see, to see him invited. Definitely a guy I need to go back to. You and I talked about privately, like I need to go back to, but Wisconsin offense lineman. I'll, I'll always take it. Uh, it's almost like you give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, like, okay, he's probably going to be solid. Right. And last but not least, the first of the Washington Huskies that we knew have been invited, the only one thus far to accept. And the question will be, will he play offensive tackle? That's where I currently have him at. Or will he kick inside the guard? My guess is he's going to play both at the senior bowl, and that's Troy Faltano. Yeah, I mean, Troy Faltano, I think, is a firm first-round pick. The senior bowl showing off that versatility It's just going to be – where teams prefer hit him uh, to play. Uh, so I do hope we get to see both. So that was a lot of acceptances this week. Uh, quickly, we'll get through some underclassmen here that have declared. Uh, Want to make a quick note, uh, because underclassmen can play in the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl, they have created a soft deadline for underclassmen to declare to be eligible for the All-Star Games of January the 5th where the normal deadline for underclassmen to declare is January the 15th. With that being said, we had five underclassmen declare this week. One, obviously, Drake May, no doubt about it, right? Top 10 pick. We, 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 we've got at this point. We've talked about him a lot already tonight. Um, we briefly talked about Oregon's Bucky Irving, but I think he's a running back. He's a bit undersized at 5'10", 175 is his listed weight. But he's really fun to watch and runs tough. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I think he's bulked up hopefully a little bit this year, to at least get in the one eighties. Um, I I think the NFL is going to like him. Maybe some day two potential because of the pass catching and explosiveness. A pair of offensive tackles declared uh, within today, I believe. One no doubter was Joe Alt from Notre Dame, a top 10 pick we talked about a lot on this show. The other is a guy that you've written about, but maybe a little surprising that he declared, Kingsley Salmatea from BYU. I, I was a little surprised because I, I wrote about him and then his play kind of fell off a bit, but I think the upside of Kingsley Salmatea is uh, off the charts. So he, he could still get into the first round. And finally – the uh, last underclassman that declared this week, a guy we have not talked about a lot on this show, uh, but could end up being perhaps the top interior offensive lineman drafted or one of the, and that's Oregon's Jackson Powers Johnson, 6'3", 319, uh, center for the Ducks, correct? Yeah, center for them. I've, I've mentioned him a couple times on the show. I mean, he definitely impressed me late. Uh, I think he's going to contend for that top spot just with the consistency this year. But, yeah, kind of came out of nowhere um, to to do it this season. But Jackson Powers Johnson's zone scheme, he's uh, team's going to like him. Yeah, he's, he's fun. All right, so we had a few questions in the chat. Uh, we'll get to those. Um, Sonny, who's had multiple things tonight, say congrats on the credentials. He's an employee of RNL Carriers, so have fun at that bowl. Sonny, uh, my day job, I do a lot of business with RNL Carriers. So uh, you work for a, a very good organization there. And uh, he had one other question. He said, don't know how to deep down the rabbit hole you guys will get, but any guesses if a team jumps up to one for the Bears? So that's saying the Bears would, or we're going to keep Justin Fields and we're going to sell number one for the farm. Uh, guesses on the team that would make that jump. 
Yeah, I mean, if the Bears do make that decision, um, man, yeah, I, I, I almost feel like it probably would be the, like the Raiders at six. You know, right now we're at six. We'll see how it goes. Um, but if they creep up a little bit more, I think they could be it. I and he mentioned the Giants, which I think is a good possibility if they keep winning. Especially, they feel like the rest of their team's rock solid. You know, I think to move up to one, you have to feel like your team is is pretty good. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't discount that. Uh, last question from Wyatt Johnson: What's the dream pick for the Chargers draft and coach? Because we all assume that at this point, Brandon Staley's on his ass. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think coach is Bill Belichick. I think that rumor's been out there, and I think if you're the Chargers, like, it, it could be a really good thing. I will take the greatest coach in NFL history. Like, I'll take a shot at him again, right? You know, I'll take the chance. Um, maybe don't give him GM power. I think that's the only thing. In terms of the draft, I think the Chargers are tough. I, I think Jerzon Newton would probably be the, the slam dunk pick. I mean, fix that defense up front. Just give you some run defense. I think that would be great. How high do they end up? Like, like if they end up like, let's say, like right now they're at the bottom of the five and eights. Like, let's say they end up at pick five. You know, like they lose out. I mean, is is is, is some maybe if Marvin Harrison Jr.'s on the board? Is that something you consider? I mean, you just took Quentin Johnston. You have. Keenan, I, I guess so. You let Mike Williams go. You could do that. Um, I guess may, maybe you could take a, a right tackle. Like that, that doesn't feel great, right? It's that's the problem with with uh, you know with the Chargers. Yeah, they don't have I mean, it. Yeah, yeah, right. You've got Mac and Bosa on the edge, right? So you're not looking Mac at Bosa and, and uh, uh, Tweepalatu from this past year's. Right, right. So Newton feels good. Maybe depending on where they're at, Bowers is is in the conversation. Yeah, but you know, Bowers could be a conversation. But you know, they they they're playing the Raiders. They could win this week, even with Easton Stick, and then probably they'll probably lose out after that. That's fair. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Uh, final thoughts, Shane, on everything we've talked about tonight, and uh, some other stuff going on, on the site. Yeah, it was great having Travis on. He's going to have a seven-round mock, hopefully seven rounds uh, on Monday, so keep an eye out for that. I released today a uh, full breakdown of Jaden Daniels, kind of my evaluation history. I used one of Travis's charts that we talked about QBR. Um, you know, I used that in the piece, so go check it out if you're interested. I try to make the argument, you know, that he's a top-ten pick. I think people are coming around, but not not there yet, not where Brian and I are. No, I'm, yep, I'm, I'm there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, myself, for me, over the next three weeks, it's going to be all bowl games all the time. I mean, I'll be writing my normal prospect review stuff from the bowl games that I watch, as well as reports on the two bowl games that I'll be at in person, as well the day of those games, the next two Saturdays. And then, uh, you know, uh, I have a mock draft coming up. I think my next one is the one after Travis, so uh, the following Monday. So. Will I go back to two rounds, Shane? We'll see. We'll see. See how I feel. Hey, maybe they can make it happen. We'll see. All right. That's going to do it for tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. As always, if you're uh, new to us on the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. And uh, 
like the videos. If you're listening to this audio version, be it on Apple, be it on uh, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your audio podcasts on a daily basis, give us a five-star review there. Give us a nice rating, comment on that, share it out, good stuff like that. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Howell. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter at Draft Countdown. And go to draftcountdown.com for all your daily draft needs. For Shane, I'm Brian. Good night, everybody.